Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC Follow the Money Investing with Purpose, a show where we have real conversations with the people who are driving change in our community. And I'm very excited. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. I'm excited as I often am accused of being for having my guests on today that, and I've been doing some research and I'm not going to lie to you, I feel this guest more than most people that I've had on, but they've, they've all got their own who lives in the intersection of doing it, influencing it, having a positive effect on it. Welcome Sandy Gilbert to the show. How are you doing, Sandy? I'm doing very well. Nice to see you. Today. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thanks so much for coming on. And, and far be it for me to try to, I, I don't, I don't like uh, hosts who read people's bios. Tell us a little bit about you. It's like Intergen, uh, Deal Point Capital. Give us a little bit of the elevator pitch and then let's really peel back the layers of what's happening around investment and opportunity in our community. Well, I usually start off with I grew up on a farm in Manitoba, uh, but I won't take you for that far back. <laughs> I appreciate uh, that. Tyler. Um, I have spent a lot of my uh, career in um, in the banking space, but I've been an entrepreneur all my life. And really the last 10 years have really focused on uh, how access to capital and resources is really important for early stage companies in Canada. Um, spent a lot of uh, years on the Angel Capital Board in Canada, NACO. Uh, really fostering angel investment in the country. And in the past, um, you know, six or seven years, I've really been focused on making it easier for those entrepreneurs to access that capital and resources. From an Intergen perspective, we are a not-for-profit that was uh, really launched at the vision of Jim Gray and Brian Faleski, two well-known business people in Calgary that were concerned about the future of Calgary and a disconnect between the entrepreneurs and business people that had built Calgary, but they were disconnected to the next generation of entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. So really, how could we connect those two groups? So it's really um, a mandate to say, we've got experienced business leaders that can support the founders that are coming behind them, and we make a platform and a community for them to do that. We also have a fund, Tyler, that we uh, invest in companies. We've invested in 11 companies in Calgary uh, to date. And uh, we're looking at companies that are just ready to track and our, our uh, capital will fuel that next level of growth. I'm gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna step in just for a second because I feel that this can keep going. This is a, this is a great story, and you've and you've clearly told it before, Sandy. I'm suspicious that it's not the first time you've laid that laid that out. When you talk about Angel and like the stage of where you're investing, I think it's so important to unpack it as we look at these different, you know, from very early to family and seed to getting up into I've got an idea. We've actually got some traction. We're gonna grow it. Where do you guys come in, just in terms of getting our terminology of where you fit into this? If we had a whiteboard, I, we could draw out this kind of left to right ecosystem from from very very early stage up to maybe even series a and series b and where you guys live yeah i mean the 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 nomenclature is very different in each community canada may be a bit different than the u.s but the easiest way for us to talk about it is that we are looking for companies that have product market fit they probably have a few customers the capital that we are going to uh, deploy to them will help them capture market share so um, we're not in helping develop a product and finding that, um, that product market fit. We are helping the uh, founders that have got there and now need capital and business skills to help them build and grow that enterprise. So, you know, if you want to talk numbers, we always say it's kind of a million dollars a year in revenue. 
Um, but more importantly, it's what the capital and use of proceeds is for, and that's really to grow and capture market share. That's what the Energen Fund is all okay, about. Use of proceeds. And, it, and Tyler, that matches our network because our network are experienced business people that can provide the connections to those customers, can sit on boards, can advise them, give them ideas on how to do cross-border deals, know how to onboard uh, employees, what are stock options looking like. Mm-hmm. That's our skill set from our uh, Intergen business advisors. So that's the natural fit that we have with the stage of company. So arguably for a terminology perspective, would they be considered scale-ups? Yeah, so we would call it post-seed, pre-series A money. Okay. That's okay. really Liv- where living, we living in that in that, in uh, that for the For the first check. Okay. Yeah, for the first check. And is that dilutive or is that like, what's what's that money look like coming in? And does it, you did 11 deals. Is it all fairly similarly structured or is it, do you really de- lean into what the individual circumstances are for those companies? Yeah, at our stage, it's usually preferred shares, okay. in all honesty. That's because we the founder has come through the friend and family angel round. Sometimes it's common shares. Um, and sometimes it could be a convertible note just because there would be um, a reason to uh, postpone evaluation based on some market capture. Mm, valuation. That's a conversation that comes... Well, I feel I'm just going to keep peppering you for questions for the next 45 minutes. How challenging or how important is it to get that valuation right at that stage? You mentioned like, well, it doesn't make sense because we shouldn't evaluate yet, so we're going to postpone. But is that a challenge? Like when you think about those 11 companies versus how many you saw, how critical is getting that evaluation right at this specific stage for a company on the journey? (laughs) That is such a good question. (laughs) I mean, valuation doesn't really matter if the company is wildly successful. Um, Touche. touche. <laughs> I mean, you know, I always say that that valuation has to be defensible. So if you are a founder who is um, seeking capital and you come forward and say that we're pre-revenue, we think we've got a product market fit and we're coming in at a $50 million pre-revenue valuation, my next point would be, and, and how can you defend that? Because that's a crazy valuation, but I don't know, maybe there's some reason that they can defend that. Um, so really, it, it's got to be defensible. And the defensible, the defensibility isn't because you raised the last round at this, you're raising the next one at a higher round. It has to be comparatives in companies like yours, size of market, your uh, traction that you've proven uh, at the point that you're raising that capital. Many, many things go into valuation. A company that's rocketing fast obviously can get a better valuation because they're showing us that they can acquire customers. Somebody that's been trying to acquire customers for a little while, doing a few pivots here and there, you know, not so much on the valuation side. But, you know, I always want to say, Tyler, that when you come into a round at an early stage, you always are diluted. And there's nothing wrong with being diluted as the company grows. You still own the same block of shares. If you did it at 10 cents a share the first time, the next round was at 25 cents. You still own those same shares mm. that they're just now worth 25 cents. If it gets to $1.14, now you've got a bigger um, piece. So having less uh, percentage of a company doesn't mean that um, you're not going to do well. What's well, the, I want a smaller piece of a bigger pie kind of a metaphor, right? For sure. That's exactly right, Tyler. How, exactly. How much right. has it been for Calgary knowing that, you know, even talking about Intergen and some that original kind of um, thesis statement you made about, geez, there, there's there's not a connection between these current and successful, more senior business leaders and entrepreneurs with this next generation. That's one thing when you think about our, our province being kind of one industry it was definitely, it has been a leader the past years versus the last bunch of years as we've been really, you know, 
chasing this diversification title, which I know has been a topic for many years. How much does that play into this valuation where you've got, well, you've got a SaaS company over here, but you've got somebody who's making hard physical things over here and how much that factors and does it, does that skew? Cause the tech startup evaluations, those are some of those crazy numbers we all read about. Cause that's what makes the headlines, right? How much has that been a bit of a pivot for our city to start to understand how to evaluate a potential hole in the ground with a potential piece of IP sitting on a server somewhere <laughs> for lack of better comparison? It, you know, Tyler, it's very difficult. We have really um, senior, uh, smart business leaders that have um, years of investing history, but their years of investing history are not in this space. And they can do it because they understand what the reservoir analysis is of where they're going to drill that well. Um, they understand that the price of that commodity is going to be one price. There's not a negotiation factor. Um, you know, like simple things like that that we don't think about. But with the with what we're learning is that the more they get involved with these companies, the more they start to understand how they can attract market share, what they need to do it. And in most cases, early stage, it's not that capital intensive. So a company that needs, you know, $2 million can go a long way in uh, the tech space, whereas $2 million drilling a well, not so far. Right. So um, so it's it's about understanding that it doesn't take as much capital, um, but the capital is used in a different way, right? Um, and then when you get into these, talking about valuations and what's going on in Alberta right now, you know, three or four years ago, we didn't have much outside interest in capital coming into our entrepreneurs. Therefore, our valuations were relatively low because there was no real competition um, for the, mm. those founders' um, uh, opportunities. So today we get busier, we get more noise, valuations start to creep. You know, the word frothy has been used a little I've, bit today I've, in the I've, market. I've heard that word a few times. <laughs> Yeah, but um, but I we're nowhere near crazy like some of the valuations that you would see south of the border, or you know potentially even in um, Toronto Waterloo. I was good. Thank you. Perfect perfect segue to my next question. As yourself being able to look at a Canadian or a national perspective, where where do we sit? Because obviously there's other jurisdictions for different reasons that are more advanced. Is Calgary? Are we a couple years behind? Are we you know? And maybe that's a that's a hard way to to play it. But how do you see that differential when you look across the country? No, no, it's it's true, Tyler. Uh, we are behind. Um, there's, there's there's no doubt we're behind, and it takes a long time to build an ecosystem that has the uh, infrastructure to support entrepreneurism. Mm -hmm. It really does. I mean, Waterloo was not built in a day. Um, neither was Silicon Valley. Neither was Israel, Singapore, other jurisdictions that are doing very well. But I'll tell you this: that. Um, we were just having this conversation the other night that four years ago, June, so 2018 June, okay. the Edison building was, uh, you know, concrete and rafters, nobody in it. We were hosting a, a North American tech tour with an investor coming up from uh, the U.S. And we needed some space to, you know, sh showcase the companies that we wanted to, to, to the 500 startups guy. So we ended up being in the Edison on this empty floor that uh, Scott Hutchison had there. And we had people at that time, like the people we all know of today, like Pat Lohr, James Lockery, Carrie Houston, Dave Edmonds. They were all there talking on panels. Young companies were all in that room. 
And flash forward only four years. And some of those companies now have raised a Series A, Series B round, valuations of $150 million. Um, the, we've really, the Edison's built, Amber Sands right behind it. Um, more tech space is going, platforms up. Like we've come a long way in four years. Um, but we still have a long way to go. We're still uh, light on capital, um, you know, total invested capital in both from the venture capital and the angel side. We have a long way to go. We need to 10 times where we're at today, but we've got a really committed uh, community to um, help make that happen. I started the show probably two and a half years ago. And again, I'm openly admitting that I was ignorant to a lot of things that were going on. But the, and of course, when you chat with people that are in the middle of what's going on, you start to start to think that it's going on everywhere, which I know is not always the case. But the two and a half years and 200, 200 and some guests I've had, there's such a different trend and the language is starting to line up. Like there isn't like a little pocket over here and a pocket over here. They're starting to touch each other, yeah. which I think is huge. Yeah. When you talk about that 10X and specifically, I've had lots of people in the show talking about, wow, to really drive the economy here, we need, we don't need, 500 million we need 3 billion does that come from outside based on our brand and our awareness and our market maturity or does it also like what blend do you see between homegrown capital and support like I want to really want to talk about what you're doing with Intergen because getting money is one thing getting guidance and support and relationships and and someone else's Rolodex to open doors that's a whole that, that sometimes is even more valuable but how do you see the blend about what's going to come in from outside once we quote unquote get on other people's radar versus homegrown and what we need to do to, to accelerate that well, I think the natural um, evolution uh, is that we need to have lots of capital at the early stage, so seed through Series A, really, okay. uh, and then outside capital is going to going to mm, you know kind of okay. um, fuel it from there. Um, but but let's talk about the capital that's available in this province today. Uh, we've got a lot sitting on the sidelines, um, and that comes from the uh, senior business leaders that have not yet been exposed to this asset class. Uh, $100 oil might help that a little bit. I don't think it doesn't hurt, maybe, Sandy. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> exactly. Maybe some of them will say, you know what, maybe I'll take a little bit off the table right now because I don't know where this is going next and start to deploy it in a different asset class. So that could be good. Um, I think we've got a lot of capital here. You know, we uh, have a we're invested in a company here that uh, was looking to do a Series A round and you know visiting with a few venture firms and ultimately decided that they would do it themselves and raise twelve and a half million dollars from individuals fundamentally hmm. on the street in Calgary. So there is money here. Um, you've got to have the right story, the right traction, the right team, and the right market opportunity. Um, and there, there's an opportunity for you to find the capital here. I can't help but ask, and you and I did chat a little bit before on our on our first date, our pre our pre call. Does this hundred dollar oil plus plus with all the unknowns? Does that shift our focus back? Like, I'll be honest, maybe what we've done in the past, like, oh yeah, we're going to diversify. Oh, what? Wait a second, oil's back. Oh yeah, no, no. Okay, we're good. We're going to go back here. It feels different this time, but I want to get your perspective on what you're hearing out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, we used to say we. You know, we were concerned when oil got to be $70 a barrel again, when it was low, right? And we go, oh, no, no, focus is going to go back there. Um, I think we're, um, we are um, smart. Uh, and this time I feel is different. Uh, we want to be able to um, have $100 oil. We like $100 oil for sure. Um, I mean, it's really who we are and how we've grown up. This is not a 
oil or tech world. This is yeah. a, uh, you know, a really a, a diversification, not a we're cutting off one thing and starting something new, right? Um, we've got great energy tech companies. We could be a leader in clean tech initiatives. We've got the smarts, the uh, capital, and the know-how to get all sorts of things out of the ground. Um, so, you know, I really think that this time's a little bit different. Um, and, you know, oil companies have become um, more efficient. Um, so their costs are going down. Uh, they're looking at technologies that can help them be safer and extract uh, their uh, carbon, their fossil fuels better. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I think it's a bit different this time for sure. I, and we've seen so much traction in the tech space, you can't ignore it anymore. You've got a building, a flyover that says Benevity on it. And people are going, who the heck is Benevity? Yes, and yes, Solium sold to Morgan Stanley and, and Simend is out there. And, you know, we've got great stories now that the community is learning about. And so it's, 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 it can't be ignored. Well, I saw Helsum announced $16 million this week. There's so many. Absolutely. They're starting to be more frequent. And the numbers, I think, are getting... A, the numbers can be lower to still be newsworthy. You know, sometimes the news cycle doesn't report mm -hmm. on something unless it's got a billion dollar or some big, amazing yeah. unicorn story. But, you know, I, I've certainly been seeing more. And again, it's where I'm looking. So I have to be careful with what's what's out there or what, where, you know, you, you tend to find what you, what you, what you look for. You, you refer to it often as just, you know, be comfortable with this asset class. And when you're talking to like just portfolio strategy of how to diversify and go, you know, maybe I will put a little money into this. Is that asset class just referring to that scale up kind of pre-series A stage as the asset class? Or is it more understanding the types of companies that you're going to be putting money into, not just the stage they're at that maybe aren't the companies you're used to investing in or is it all of the above yeah it's it's venture okay so the asset class is really venture okay. and uh which means high risk um high reward um that's if you're in a seed company or you're doing a series d round um there are risks of execution all along the way mm. um so it's really the venture asset class is what i refer to when i talk about the asset class which is very different than you know, something that you can um, invest in that has assets attached to it, physical assets attached to it, um, has a, you know, cash flowing uh, EBITDA uh, that you can create some, um, you know, valuations on uh, based on multiples in the market. So uh, it's just a different asset class. And, and the easiest way for me to describe it is venture. Okay, which make I, I appreciate that. Uh, thinking about the last 11 deals that you did. Well, first of all, how many how many did you look at to get to 11? Like, what's the ratio? Yeah, well, hundreds. Yes, I've I've um, I've been, I've, sure. I've been told that, that it's a, to get one is yeah. yeah, it's not you don't just bump into it. You got to go dig for it. <laughs> but but I would I would also say Tyler that we have a very um, uh, narrow thesis. Okay. So unlike uh, unlike somebody that's investing in in very early stage pre seed seed rounds, there's thousands of companies that they could be looking at. You know, we've got a criteria that says, okay, well, if you don't meet this, we're going to help you find capital somewhere else from an Intergen perspective. Okay. But as far as the investment portfolio, we have a, a pretty limited, um, growing bigger every day, uh, but it's not every um, every founder that we can invest in. Okay, which I, I appreciate that. So with those 11 companies, is there is there maybe not necessarily tying you, but was there a theme? Was there something that really, if you look back and go, oh, maybe that wasn't what we went for, but there was something that was kind of pulled a thread through those 11? Yeah, so, um, you know, speaking of the our our you know, kind of our post-seed, pre-series A, maybe a million dollars a year in revenue kind of thesis. Um, you know, you need, the, the thing to us is simple. Uh, 
what is the what is the product how big is the market who is the team have they been able to execute in the past and can they attract the next round of capital that they need in order to continue to grow this business? Mm. So, I mean, in a nutshell, that's kind of it. So who do we invest in? We invest in great founders, great leaders, people that can surround themselves with teams. They're coachable. They want our help. Um, those are the people that we invest in. If somebody, if I talk to someone and said, so what do you need besides money? And they go, mm, nothing. I'm going okay, well, you're probably not a fit for us mm -hmm. because people like our money, but they actually like our connections better. <laughs> yes, I've heard. Well, money's the easy part. The connections, the knowledge, again, talking from people who, who look at it that way. But also you... You you live this world from all found from all sense. You're also a founder and CEO at DealPoint Capital, which is your own tech yeah. startup. So I I really appreciate yeah. when I said that earlier. I'm like, as I was doing my research, my professional creeping here for sure, which I which I do before a show. You're really living in the vortex of an influencer to actually putting the money out there and doing that work. But you're also living it yourself. How's been the balance of kind of juggling those different roles? I'm, I'm assuming it gives you a lot of empathy and perspective on all of them. <laughs> Yeah, well, we always say that that um, operators are the best uh, investors because, you know, if you've never had to meet payroll um, and all you're doing is looking at a company, you have no concept what being an entrepreneur is all about. <laughs> but, you know, on the deal point side, um, you know, this vision was always to make it easier for entrepreneurs to access capital. And I really felt like the private capital markets were very slow to embrace any type of technology. And if you've ever signed a subscription agreement for an, for a private company, you know the pain uh, that's involved in all of the paper that, that takes to do One that. One end of the boardroom table so, and around the corner and down the other side. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, I used to have a closing uh, painting in my, uh, in my office here that was just crazy. But... <laughs> Um, you know, so we call it paperless paperwork, and um, we've moved down a syndicated uh, path so that uh, like-minded uh, investors can come into a vehicle that we call a special purpose vehicle that then invests into the company with one line on the cap table. Ah, okay. So this is allowing a founder, for example, whose clients are doctors to circle those doctors that are using uh, her product into a founder's syndicate that then is coming in as one line on the cap table. So your venture capitalists aren't concerned with 20 doctors being yes. on the cap table. So it's been an exciting time for us. COVID obviously um, created some forced adoption on the deal point side because all of a sudden you couldn't meet your investor face to face. And uh, it's a bit of a flywheel effect, I have to say right now. There's, you know, one investor will use the platform and he's saying to the next one, why aren't we using that platform to do that? So we've been really fortunate to work with all of the emerging funds in Alberta right now. They're, they're all using the platform and it's, it's a pretty exciting time for the team at DealPoint. Well, back to your point about market fit. Make it easier for me and remove friction. Okay, I'm in and I'm going to tell right. other people and then I'm going to want to expect to use it next time because I don't want to go back because right. you've shown me the, but, but, you've shown you know, me the way. <laughs> but, but let's talk about, you know, the 10-year overnight success, right? <laughs> <Touché>. So, <laughs> um, you know, things take time and particularly when you're trying to push kind of, um, you know, industries that don't want to be disrupted, like the legal um, community or, you know, broker dealers. I mean, it is a it's a it's a hard little, you know, push up the hill to convince people that they can actually do it a different way. When your biggest competitor is an Excel spreadsheet, 
um, you've got a lot of storytelling to do. And I think you just described a lot of tech and like when your biggest competitor mm-hmm. is just keep doing it the way I've been doing it. Not someone else, Absolutely. not another solution. Just keep doing it because status quo, yeah. even when it's painful, is still easier than often learning something new. Totally. And again, yeah. you got to be very real what you said. There's a lot of people that have a lot invested in those massive macros driven spreadsheets and they make their revenue off the fact that it takes that it takes 500 hours to close a deal and I'm going to bill X amount of power yeah. and that's what a deal looks like. And I, and sorry, I didn't realize it's 10 years in one month based according to LinkedIn back to your 10 year 10 year <laughs> overnight success. Yeah, exactly. Um, and far be it for us to have a conversation just talking about all the shiny bits. What, where are we getting in our way in Alberta? And I know we're on a journey and sometimes just time and you know, 10, years, uh, 10 years late to a 20-year plan, I think Jim Gibson said to me once on the show. But if, I love, you know, if you were going to pull out your magic wand and say, oh, we're going we're gonna to move that barrier or we're going to accelerate that, what are the, some of the things that show up for you that are just like, man, I just, we got to get this fixed up. We got to sort this out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we have a brand problem. Right. Yep. I mean, like, if I'm really, really honest, we've got a brand problem, and uh, and we don't actually have a brand problem when you live here and be here, but but what mm. the outside world might think um, is a problem, and so we need to shout from the rafters uh, the success that we're having in this province, the inclusiveness and the talent that is here to support innovation. Um, you know, we've got, you know, one of the best kept secrets in uh, AI in Edmonton. We're the number two in the world and nobody actually knows that. I know, that's... Um, so, so we need to do a much better job of portraying who we are to um, the outside world, including Canada, but but other regions as well, of course. And curious, just like to, to unpack, as, as a marketer and a brand guy, I tend to agree with you and you're not the first person to bring that up on the show. What do you run into? Like, what are the misconceptions when you're like, what, wait, you think what about us? What are some of the things you run into when you're kind of out there, you know, um, uh, shopping your wares, being Alberta and our opportunities around? Like, what are some of the things you actually hear that make you cringe? You know, I think that, um, well, first of all, I, I, I think it's changing. So that's a very positive yeah, thing. Um, but that. as we started the conversation early, change doesn't happen overnight. But I think that, um, you know, one of the things that, that a um, thriving ecosystem needs is talent. And if we have um, a talented engineer, let's say, who um, is offered a role in Toronto or Vancouver or Calgary, um their um one of their first thoughts might be if i move there will my um wife or husband have a job um will i have a career path for what i'm doing or are there only like three companies that are really going to be able to hire me right if you go into toronto you go into vancouver many many firms many many opportunities career growth great right um, so that that is a, a one concern. So we have to be able to build companies here that give that talent that opportunity to um, to you know go up the career ladder. We have to have more than five companies that can hire them. We uh, have a lot of things going for us though. Let's talk about what's going for us cost of living, mountains. I'm going to the mountains this weekend. Uh, you can't buy a house in Vancouver or Toronto. Um, we, I mean, there's just so many things that we have going for us here. And we talk about those a lot. But, you know, if we don't have the career path for the tech entrepreneur to be here or the tech employee to be here, that's a challenge. 
So when you've got companies like Athenian and Zazun and Simend and uh, Halsum and Virtual Gurus and, and I could name them all that are growing, that's really good because then we're drawing that talent in. And I, I agree with you. The cost of living, the houses, the like, the, the mountains, the everything that we have here, the, the basically no traffic. I know Calgary still complaining about the traffic, commute. but we don't have exactly. traffic here. We do not have traffic here. Right. Uh, but if you don't have that career progression, you can't see like, and I know a lot of people that work in the tech space and as they're getting that one job, they're already networking and looking at that 18 months or 20 months down the road because there's the progression. Sure. But you're right. If we yeah. don't have that, a low cost of living or, a, or an hour drive to the mountains isn't necessarily going to going to shift it Do as it much all. as yeah. if we have that and all the rest is, is gravy on top to me that's yeah. that's a real yeah i hear you so you know you can put it in perspective i i don't know who it was tyler but i i read an an article um that a torontonian uh, wrote about moving to calgary oh, that'd be, I'd that'd be interesting say, to read that yeah <laughs> i know but let's just say it was 10 years okay. that that uh, and it was a it was a he that he had been here and he added up a, first of all, the time he spent in commuting mm. in Toronto, so how much time he got back, the cost of the of the gasoline to get him back and forth from there. Um, and it was just an amazing kind of summary of how in 10 years his life had changed so much mm. based on the fact that he simply didn't have to commute. We need to build a like campaign just time. on that alone because I know. you can't put a price on the soul-sucking nature of 401 traffic. <laughs> <laughs> For two sure. hours, it's not just two hours. It's a bit of your soul every day on the 401. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. oh, I'd, I'd love to. And I love those things because they're all, they're all beyond dispute, right? Those are just numbers. And like this yeah. much kilometers, totally. this much miles per gallon. Yeah. No, there's, we have such and a fantastic- And then, you know, we went to how much he'd say, you know, carbon he'd saved. And like, it was like, it was a really good article. Oh, I'd like but, to see that. Uh, mm -hmm. We, we, yeah, we need to tell that story, especially with the ability we for do. people to live anywhere and work everywhere. There is a little more. The last two years, I choose to see as every positive I can. It accelerated so many trends that I believe were already well happening. It just let, COVID just pushed the accelerator button and went, oh, guess what? Your employees can add value without you seeing them every day. Wow, what? With so many other industries yeah. that, you know, that, that, anyone in the tech space are like, hey, welcome to the way we've been living for the last 10 years. Uh, I'm curious exactly. around Intergen. Uh, You've got people and resources to be able to mentor and support. You've got new companies to invest in and you've got capital. What's the balance of those? Are they all topped up? You've got all you need in every single one or is what's the, what's the balance look like and how does that shift o over time or how so has they, it shifted? Yeah, fair. So, you know, Intergen's really kind of a two and a half year old startup. Okay, cool. um, and uh, we have, been fortunate to attract a lot of uh, companies that have learned about us and have been matched with uh, our uh, what we call our IBAs, our Intergen Business Advisors. And we've been able to attract some good uh, people that are interested in learning more, whether that's a person that spent 21 years at Shell and now is interested in how they can support uh, young companies, or it's somebody that was the CFO of WestJet or, uh, you know, at Dirt, uh, smart technology has been around building businesses. Um, so it's a real mix. But where do we need to go right now with Intergen? We need to more formally recruit companies to our platform. Okay and uh, share with them the successes that our entrepreneurs have had by being connected with uh, one of our leaders. Um, and we still have a lot of work to go with convincing some of our business leaders that their experience and talent is needed and useful uh, and critical to the growth of our founders because there still are people out there that go, ah, I don't know anything about tech, I'm not gonna do this. So we, we're on a mission now to do that. We are also looking at other regions, so we've been very Calgary-focused. Okay, oh, exciting. Um, we believe that there's an opportunity in smaller communities, whether that's Red Deer or Lethbridge or 
um, you know, St. Albert, uh, Edmonton. So we're looking at um, moving uh, into those areas and attracting the every one of those small communities has great success stories from a business perspective and those business leaders can support the next generation who may not want to move to calgary or edmonton so you know that's that's the next thing for us there um you know we're looking at we, we talked a little bit um tyler about you know investors that hadn't actually spent any time investing in the asset class of venture. Mm-hmm. So we're looking at some programming that will help them understand better what does evaluation look like for a company that has no revenue. Um, so we're looking at a bunch of different programming that's um, that will support uh, that community. And we're looking to partner with people to do it. So if there's people that have great content that we can deliver to our community, uh, we want to work with them to do that. I appreciate it. Do you, you've worked in other jurisdictions, and I, I don't want to sound limited or isolated in my thinking because I've had people say, well, everywhere is kind of like that. Calgary, I always believe one of our superpowers is our willingness to help and support each other. And like, I might not be able to help you, but you know I know someone who can, and they'll introduce you. I, I do believe it comes from this abundance mindset that we've had for so long. And there's been, you know what? I don't. If I'm successful, it's not going to be at cost of your success or vice versa. We can be successful together. I don't haven't felt that. I've lived in great places with good communities, but something about Calgary, I felt that almost right away when I've, I've been here 20 years. I'm a Calgarian now. I'm proud to, proud to say that. I feel like a tourist when I go home to Montreal. But once I moved yeah. out of my small community where I knew everybody growing up and I moved here, it wasn't that long before all of a sudden people were willing to help and open doors. And as long as you could provide value, it does feel like one of our superpowers. Maybe this is a bit of a fluffy topic, but I believe in we need it all to be successful. Do you find that even with those business owners that have been successful, that maybe are humble and like, well, what value can I add? Do you find there's just a willingness to help here that maybe is different than other places? Mm-hmm. I'm setting you up we, on this we, one. I'm right. setting you up on this one, Sandy. Know, seriously, we, we run a platform that, that relies on the <laughs> philanthropic volunteerism of our business leaders to support these people. So absolutely, I believe that. <laughs> but we are by nature a philanthropic community. There isn't another community in Canada that can raise money like us that can um, support um, uh, th- just through word of mouth, um, get behind a cause and fund it. Uh, look at the Shaw family, just gave $25 million to the Glenn. I know you never have to pay to go uh, there again. That's amazing. And you never have to pay <laughs> to go amazing. there anymore. Like, that's a tangible, like, like not just we gave money and it disappeared into the whole program. Yeah. That's directly affecting yeah, our totally. city's ability to participate. I think that's very cool. And we've been good at that. Mm, we've been really yeah. good at raising money and knowing that it's making a difference. I mean, look at the buildings in town that have the names on them of the people that have been, um, you know, graciously, uh, gen- uh, you know, not just giving their time, but giving their, or not just giving their money, but giving their time to uh, help improve the cancer center. Or, I mean, like, it's just, it's everywhere and it is in our DNA. And it's really a, a beautiful thing about this city is that we can get rally behind a cause and make it happen. And I do feel, and I want to say this very respectfully, that the this oil, this energy price that we've been dealing with for a bunch of years, I think has driven us here to a point that we're not going to come back from because so many people have now been to come invested and got behind this creation of change of not just like, oh, diversify, yeah. it's a bumper sticker, next time I'll save. You know, we've all seen those in Alberta. It does feel different this time. And I also choose to believe yeah, that, it it's different, that, that, it, that it's different, that it's different. Because we, we, we're noisier. We've got more, there's more noise. 
Uh, we're not two people in a garage creating an app. We're <laughs> big companies that are employing 800 people. Yes, and um, hiring so like it's, it's going out of style. Difference. I think Neo Financial exactly. is a great example. Hired like 400 people last year or something crazy. Exactly. Like it boggles my mind. I love it. Um, exactly. Any advice you would give? You know, your 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 perfect customer. Your sorry, your perfect company that you would want to partner with. Any advice that you would give them if they're listening right now, other than just reach out to you and have a conversation, which I think that's the feels like an obvious one. But anything that they need to think about when they're just down in the weeds and they're so close to staring at their business every day that they're driving themselves a bit nutty. Any advice that you would give them to here focus on this, this, and this and kind of keep moving forward? Well, I mean, the the one word that, that we've seen floating around social lately has been persevere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that is just really, um, it's so true in the entrepreneur journey. Uh, it is, some days are very, very hard. But the reality is you spoke of it a little bit earlier, Tyler. You said people want to help. And it is amazing if you actually ask someone that they will. I'm still amazed by it when I ask somebody for help and they go, oh, sure, I'm going to, wow, I can't believe you're doing that for me. Um, but but don't be scared to ask. And, and some people don't have the time or the bandwidth to support you at that particular moment. So don't be disheartened when they say, you know what, I can't help you right now. Because they'll probably say, but I know somebody else that might be able to. Um, so, you know, Brian Faleski, who's just a great, crazy individual, who's the chair of our board and the vision of Intergen, along with Jim Gray, he always tells me a story about when he was putting himself through law school and he was selling insurance um, at the time. And he was literally competing against people that were full-time employed selling insurance. And um, he, he would say that I knew that I would place 10 calls, I would get uh, three people that would say, okay, I'll talk to you, and I would get one sale. So when he uh, had a call and someone said, I want to talk to you, he'd hang up the phone, like literally, because it was probably a phone that looked like yep. that. <laughs> and, uh, and he would say, hey, I'm one call closer to a sale. And uh, if you could put that attitude in what you're doing every day, I just think that that's such, I love that story of his, and it is so very true. Back to our uh, portfolio company that was looking to raise capital from the venture community, 770 uh, conversations with venture firms. Mm. Um, you know, it takes a lot of no's. And, and sometimes it takes a, a whole pivot to say, I'm going to do this differently and I'm going to access my capital a different way. So, you know, uh, the thing is reach out. Don't be alone. Uh, you know, go to networking events. Even in our community, ours are on Zoom, but you'll no doubt run into somebody there that can help you in some way. Tell your story. Talk about what you're doing. Um, and surround yourself with um, people that are different than you. Mm. And uh, I think that helps a lot. I think those are, that's just good life advice all, all across the board. Sandy, thank you so much for, one, taking the time. I reached out and you said yes, so case in point. So thank you so much. And we there you and, go. and of course, Calgary, we got introduced through a mutual and that's just how everybody's one degree of separation in this town. Like that is just a, that exactly. is just a fact. Um, inter- well, listen, Tyler, I, I need to say to you, uh, you know, thanks for what you do. Oh, thank you. Because part of what we need to do in this community is get the story out and have people become aware of what is, you know, rumbling under the surface here of this this weird thing we call the tech ecosystem and and people like you that are uh, spending time helping get that message out are really important to uh, the success of this space for sure 
Thank you, Sandy, for sharing that. It's I feel privileged to be able to do it because every day I get to talk to really cool people doing inspiring things. It gives you a fantastic view of the world. Oh, let me tell you. <laughs> You're like, what do you think is going yeah. on in Calgary? I'm like, oh, I think it's great because I only I always get to talk to these amazing people that are the ones True. kind of stirring up the mix and kicking over the apple cart or whatever metaphor you want to use. So you are very welcome and thank you for saying that. I do I do really appreciate it. Uh, intergenconnect.com, obviously an easy way to go and you guys have a great website with tons of information. Uh, powered by dealpoint.io. Go check that out. Uh, of course, you're on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, any way or preferred form that you have for people that want to reach out and get in touch with you personally? Yeah, you know, I'm I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Sandy Gilbert on Twitter. Um, I'll I'll respond to most people in a relatively timely fashion. <laughs> I've got a really big inbox, um, so sometimes it's a little bit easier to catch me um, in different ways than my inbox. But uh, for sure, I, I'm. I'm active on LinkedIn and I um, am always on Twitter. So you'll find me there Perfect. too. Like the bottom was filing cabinet called our inboxes. That's a whole nother, that's yeah, a whole yeah, nother yeah. story. If anyone's got that figured out, exactly. you just let me know and I'll open a tab about it and read it later. <laughs> Sandy, <laughs> thanks so much for your time. Enjoy your weekend. And I look forward to crossing paths with you again. Thank you. Thank you again, Tyler.